Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Hey, glad you're here to listen to another story in our series called Grace Stories. Everyone has a story because everyone is on a journey in life. The story you will hear is how someone met God's grace in their life's journey and how it changed their life. I was at a conference when I met Wayne Brown. I had heard he had an interesting story to tell, so I pulled him aside and asked him to tell how his life change came about. What happens when a teeth-busting, bull-riding, drug-dealing, gun-wielding thug meets God's love and forgiveness? And how do you land a plane filled with drugs but empty on gas? Well, here's Wayne's grace story. I'm here today with a new friend, Wayne Brown, who I've met recently, but we have a mutual friend that he'll mention, and um, he has a story. I have heard parts of it, and I know that I want to hear the rest of it, and I know that you will too. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Wayne. Uh, thank you. Um, just glad to be here at the Grace Conference and enjoying the fellowship and uh, just a Christian joy that's here yes we happen to be at the free grace alliance conference uh wayne has made his way from jacksonville florida where uh, he lives and sometimes ministers with um bob tebow evangelistic association and he'll tell you later about his, his his own ministry but he hasn't always been in the ministry um he was certainly wasn't uh born into the ministry none of us were but he's had a journey and he wants to tell you about that spiritual journey. I want him to tell you that. So where do you where, where do you want to start us on this journey? Well, let me preface the thing with where the scripture says, he that has begun a good work will perform it until the day of Christ. And that God is not mocked, that whatsoever we sow, we will reap. And so as I share my testimony, I, I, I want the audience to understand that I'm not bragging about anything. Anybody can live a sinful life. It takes a strong man and woman to walk in the newness of Christ and understand the grace of God and, and to, to live a, a victorious Christian life, one of joy, one of obedience, one of serving and giving. Uh, anybody can do what I'm about to tell you that I did. So mine is not a sign of strength. It's actually a sign of weakness. So did you grow up in a religious family? Uh, no, sir. Um, we... Uh, moved to a place called Carroll City in Miami, and God had us move right in between two Christian families, and both my parents uh, were alcoholics. There was the fighting in the home, and I remember my dad hitting my mom and and stuff like that. It was um, dysfunctional at best, Um, but our neighbors invited us to church and then took us to church, and my mom made a decision for Christ first and just changed our whole home. Alcohol was out. If my dad wanted to drink, he uh, had to sneak it. And um, even when my dad, you know, would, you know, hit my mom or anything like that, we, my grandmother lived with us. We never called the police. We called her because uh, she was packing a 22 gas in one pocket and a 22 revolver in another. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, 
but we all started going to church and I made a decision for Christ at eight years old. And I remember like it was yesterday. Um, I remember the song even that, you know, I went forward on just as I am and um, that will matter a little, a little bit later. What came to your, your mind that uh, made you want to profess your faith publicly there? I was a sinner mm-hmm. and the grace of God just was all over me. Uh, my mom, and I talked to my mom the night before and just said I wanted to get saved. And in those days, my mom said, well, you need to talk to the pastor. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah. led anybody to the Lord but the pastor. He's but paid to do it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, and so um, how the story goes is, you know, we were in church. We were faithful for like four years. And then my mom got a job and began to work on Sundays, and my dad was really never the spiritual leader. And so we quit going to church, and it's like taking a log out of the fire and setting it off to the side. Mm. The whole family went out. We just we weren't around faithful people anymore. And I was about 13, and then we moved from Miami to a place called Okeechobee, and um, my life just went downhill. In what ways? You're, t- you're a teenager now? Yes, and so... You know, the Bible says the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. And so that's what happened. I just began to do my own thing, um, go backwards in every spiritual discipline that I had, um, and just didn't go with go to church anymore. And so if you're not hanging around God's people, you're probably going to hang around the world. And it, it wasn't good. And I began to run with the wrong friends. First, you hang around the wrong people then you become the wrong people. And I just became the wrong kind of person, began to fight with my parents. I wasn't listening to them. Uh, I wasn't obedient at school. I had no concern for others. I getting in trouble in school. Um, I got caught at 15 years old. Um, we were out in a cow pasture shooting a pistol and wasn't thinking about when we missed a tree, where did the bullet go? And we were hitting people's cows and, you know, they wow. chased us, and then the, the police came to our house. And, you know, when I think back, that was God warning me then. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be good, Wayne, the, the path that you're taking. And, um, of course, I was young and dumb, and I knew it all. Um, dumb and yet knew it all. Yeah. Um, and it didn't, it didn't phase me. And then about 17 years old, I began to drink. And um, I was drinking it. You know, before school started, my first pair of class was driver's ed. <laughs> so wow. that that didn't work out well. It's eight o'clock somewhere. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Uh, I ended up losing my driver's license. Oh, no. And, um, again, God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And the goodness of God draws me into repentance. See, God brings um, chastening into your life to draw it back to himself. It's not to hurt us. Right. It's always about mercy and grace. Like a good parent would. Yes. And there's no pets. God doesn't have pets out there and go, oh, well, it's okay for you, but it's not okay for them. It's okay for you. No. Our God is faithful and consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so God's wrath and grace and mercy is seen in his judgment and discipline in our lives. God uses circumstances in our life trying to point us back to himself. So when we're running, he's steady trying to draw us back to him, just like any father would. He loves us, 
he doesn't want us out there doing crazy stuff. So, like I said, I lost my driver's license, lost him for three months, I lost him for six months, I lost him for a year, and then I lost him for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just wasn't good. And then, you know, with the drinking, you're fighting. Uh, at that point, I was fighting full contact karate. I was one of the top 10 in South Florida. And, um, you know, so you're fighting, you're doing things. And this guy kept aggravating me all the time. And one day I hit him and knocked his teeth out and, you know, put him in the hospital and all that. And, you know, again, God is not mocked. What you sow, you reap. Well, I was out at a rodeo. We were trying out bulls for the rodeo. And um, so I was drinking and, you know, my, all, my, all my buddies were cowboys and stuff and they were riding the bulls. And I said, well, I can do that. <laughs> so they put me on a bull. Hold my beer. Yeah, hold my beer. You know, you don't want your, your favorite words to be, I didn't think. <laughs> so uh, I rode the bull and just stepped off of him and uh, didn't realize at that point that not all bulls not all bulls were created equal and uh so i was running my mouth talking smack about you know i can do this i can't believe you make money doing this i'd i'd win if i did it and they said well we got a bull back here we want you to ride and that bull's name was double alt Mm. and so i noticed when they brought him down the chute he didn't come down as easily as the other one Mm. when i got over him i realized he was about twice the size as the first bull i rode and so I actually borrowed a hat and I kept saying to the guy who was tying my rope on, you know, tie it tire, tie it, tie it tighter. And he did. And so the first bull, when it came out of the chute, it kind of just pranced out and jumped a little bit. And I thought, well, that, that ain't nothing. Well, when this other bull came out, he came out like a rocket. Yeah. And when he did, he jumped and twisted and I came off of him and was hung up. And then the bull jumped the other way, swung me all the way around his back end. And when I got to his left shoulder, he just did his head back and horned me in the mouth. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what you sow, you reap. So there's I a lost guy, my front teeth. <laughs> you lost your front teeth like you made the other guy lose his yeah, front teeth. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And so, again, you know, I think God was trying to get my attention. Will you please stop and come back to the Father? I've heard of God getting people's attention, but never with a horn in the mouth. Well, there's more coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, take us to where'd your life go from there? Um, Well, a little bit after that, I was roofing uh, with hot tar and I got, uh, I was carrying a five gallon bucket and tripped and fell and um, got burned over 30% of my body. Uh, I know your audience can't see, but you can see I got, my ear got burned off. Uh, here, yeah. my arm, yeah. this hand, my whole side is burned. I can see the scars. And, um, again, you know, and my thing, because as soon as I got conscious where I could think, um, my first thought was, I'm getting back in church. I just felt like God was trying to get my attention, and God can allow things to happen in our life to try to draw us back to Him. Some things just happen naturally, but I felt like God was trying to get my attention. I spent two months in the hospital with skin grass and going through the, the tub and the debriding and all the stuff that, you know, God does. Um, 
And I'm not saying, you know, if you're having a bad day or something happens to you that you got sin in your life. But for me, it was, <laughs> Yeah. you know, because things happen to everybody. Right. Um, but when I got out of the hospital, I couldn't work. And um, some friend of mine came up to me and he was stealing boat motors and stuff like that, asked me if I could get rid of them. So I began to fence, you know, boat motors and then jewelry and TVs and guns and everything else. Well, that put me in a whole nother circle of people. Mm -hmm. And then they had a big drug bust in Okeechobee. And the guy, the same guy came to me and he says, you know, all these other people got busted. You think you could sell some pot? Well, I didn't smoke pot or anything, but I thought I can sell it. <laughs> so I began to, to sell pot and, you know, started a business per se and selling quaaludes and then selling cocaine and, you know, but there's no escape from God. You are a user, really. No, well, I started. started. I wasn't, okay. but then I started smoking pot mm -hmm. and doing a little. You I know, guess you had to sample your product if yeah. you didn't sell it. Yeah, and um, never got hooked or anything like that. I just, but like you said, you know, you got to sample your product. You got to be able to te testify of the junk. And um, but God used really three big circumstances to kind of draw me back. I, you know, I remember speaking at a, a high school one time, and when I got through speaking, the young man came up to me and he says, you weren't very smart, were you? <laughs> no, uh, don't follow my example here. Um, but one of the first thing was I ran some cocaine down to Miami, and while I was gone, the people that I got it from got busted. And so when they were waiting on me to come back, when I knocked on the door, a policeman opened the door and, and stuck his pistol right to my forehead. Mm. And at that point, I didn't even know he was a policeman. He didn't identify himself. I thought we were getting ripped off. And, um, but anyway, went into the house. Um, they placed me under arrest for possession and put me on the couch. All my friends were already handcuffed. Mm. Paddy wagon was on the way. And I sat on the couch and um, I remembered I could pray. You know, I felt like Pharaoh, I guess. Okay, get the flies away and I'll get right. And so I, I prayed. I said, God, if you get me out of here, I'll get right. And, uh, and God knew my heart at that moment. I opened my eyes, and the only guy there that wasn't an undercover policeman, he looked at me on the couch, and he said, you can go. He helped me get up off the couch, took me outside, took the handcuffs off, asked me if I'd testify. I said, if you let me go, I'm going to the Keys. You'll never see me again. And he, he let me go, and I left, mm. and the rest of them went to jail. Mm. And that, again, was That's to a me, minor miracle there. Yeah, maybe. God's judgment and mercy mm. at the same time. And then a little bit later, um, I was uh, doing a drug deal with 100,000 quaaludes, worth about 400 grand on the street, and... Um, so I met these guys, a friend of mine said he knew them, which wasn't that true. And we were doing the deal somewhere else. So we had them in my car and we got into a neighborhood and I didn't realize where we were. Next thing I know, make a long story short, this guy's punched me in the face and, and was choking me to death in my own car. <laughs> and I was in the passenger side and um, he was just, I mean, he was twice my size. I'm probably, 19 20 years old 21 and um he's just choking the breath out of me well 
it doesn't take long for your mind to get into defense mode and realize if I don't do something, I'm fixing to mm -hmm. die. And so I ran my thumb in his eye until I felt the back of his head. Mm -hmm. And he let me go. I got up. I got out of the car and was running. And I saw him pulling a pistol out of his strap on his leg or whatever. I ran in a zigzag. I hit this guy's door. And this uh, big black gentleman opened the door and let me in. And he was a Christian. Oh. Oh, I know. <laughs> and he goes, you've been ripped off, haven't you? And because my neck was all cut, my nose was busted and stuff. Uh, I had shorts on and, you know, I think probably Spearies. And um, so he began to witness to me. Uh, and but I was I just lost a hundred grand and I, I just I couldn't function. I just I weren't thinking too much. No, too clearly, I was thinking I got to tell the people that fronted me this stuff. I just lost their dope, mm. and um, it wasn't pretty. And, you know, again, God allowed that to happen to try to draw me back to him. How many houses could I have knocked on? Mm -hmm. But I knocked on this guy's house, who's a testimony of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Never forgot it. I wish I, didn't, I wish I knew where I was at. I'd go back, yeah. you know, and say thank you. And then one other thing, a um, friend of mine, um, he flew back and forth to Colombia and picked up quaaludes and pot and, and that kind of thing. And so he asked me if I'd go with him. We were going to pick up a half a million quaaludes and he was going to pay me 10 grand, but I got to sell the product when I got home. So I probably made about 200 grand off the whole thing. And, and the whole time I'm trying to get out, I was tired of it, <laughs> of the stress of the, yeah, that at world. what age are you at? I'm probably 22 at this point, wow. 23. And um, so flew to South America. Uh, we're, we're over there. You know, they're loading the dope on our airplane, and somebody starts hollering, the hornets are coming, the hornets are coming. Well, I'm thinking, I don't want to get stung over here. Good grief, we got an eight-hour flight back. <laughs> and, um, but they were talking about the helicopters, uh, the government. So I look, and here comes this Jeep across the desert, you know, coming towards us. And I'm thinking, I got a little 380 Beretta in my back pocket, and I pull it out like I'm bad. The guy gets out of the passenger seat of the Jeep, throws a tarp off of a Gatling gun. Uh, I just put oh the gun goodness. in my back pocket. I thought, I'm going to die with dignity. Oh my and, uh, but he was coming to protect us uh, and shoot the helicopter down. If, if That's how much power the drug oh, lords yeah. have over there. Absolutely. Um, they can have a Gatling gun to shoot a helicopter, oh, yeah. helicopter down. Yeah. It was. Anyway, so we, you know, got everything loaded and took off. And back then, you had to uh, bring your own filter because the gas wasn't good. So you had to bring your own filter and all that. So when we took off, we got maybe a mile up and out, and the engine skipped the beat. And I looked down and saw all these airplanes laying at the bottom of the ocean that never made it. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't hear the voice of God or anything like that, but I felt the impression of God going, you and the dope aren't landing together. Well, I don't know. I didn't know what that meant. I got eight hours of flying. The guy on the side of me, who's the pilot, he's farther from God than me. <laughs> you know, for me to tell him, I don't think we should. Let's kick the thing out and just fly home. That wasn't going to happen. And so we're flying back and we're hitting storm after storm and we're having to fly farther east and, you know, using more fuel. 
And so when we banked around the, um, the Bahamas and started heading in, both tanks were registering empty mm-hmm. on the plane. And we look, and from Miami to Jacksonville, there's a storm. Mm. And so back then, if we flew 100 feet above sea level, you could come in under radar. Yeah. So we're cranking it across, you know, 100 feet above sea level. But when we hit that storm, it picked us up to 1,000 feet, and it spit us out about a mile or so, maybe two miles south of Fort Lauderdale International Airport. Uh-huh. Well, to a drug smuggler, you know they're dispatching either a helicopter or a Cessna Citation track you down they know we don't have gas uh-huh. <laughs> so we banked around back then was highway 84 hit 27 and had started heading towards cluiston we were going to land on the dike of okeechobee and unload the, the the dope well when we got around 27 and i went to the back of the plane and i kicked every bit of that dope out i thought i'm not dying. Right? i'm not dying for this junk we're out of gas and uh, I wasn't even thinking about what God had said, but, and um, so when we, when I kicked it all out, sometimes I wouldn't shut the door. The pilot was screaming at me, shut the door, shut the door. I saw treetops before I would shut the door, but he was a crop duster. He could fly anywhere. Mm. But anyway, we landed in Pahokee, Florida, which is an unmanned airport and uh, with no dope and no, nobody was there. The police weren't there. Nobody had followed us or anything like that. We literally called the taxi to come get us. And, um, but the next day, we sent somebody to get the plane. There wasn't enough fuel in the engine to start it. Oh, my goodness. Which meant if I had not have kicked it out, mm-hmm. we'd have consumed that much more fuel, and we would have died. Mm. That was a pivotal time of God working in my life. Now, I couldn't straighten up real fast, you know, and, and just surrender everything to Jesus. I could have, but I didn't. Um, but that was a, a like, because I knew God has spared my life. Mm-hmm. And I began to go back to church a little bit. And I would sell, go to church on Sunday, sell dope on Monday, mm-hmm. or collect money or anything like that. It was a horrible, double-minded life. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I kept going to church anyway. And I was the, the pastor of the church that I was going, actually a drug dealer, invited me to church. His dad was a pastor. And, <laughs> and so I, I went to his dad's church, and he loved me, and he knew I was a drug smuggler. Everybody in that town knew I was a drug exactly. smuggler. Oh, yeah. And he'd have me for lunch on Sunday and never asked me anything, never went after me. And I just kept going to church. And my faith grew again. and there came a Sunday, I told my brother, I said, I can't play the fence anymore. I'd rather be dead. And so I sat on the front row. That's when I sat when I was an eight-year-old boy. And I'm not the same place, but the position as far as the front row. And um, they began to sing just as I am. Mm-hmm. And I surrendered my life to Jesus again, just the way I was. I still owed the mob a quarter of a million dollars. I still had stuff to deal with but I, I had to settle it with God so I went home and on um, the phone rang and I worked for an organized crime group out of Fort La- or Miami Fort Lauderdale and it was them wanting to know how much money I was going to collect and all that kind of stuff because I had about $40,000 out that I could collect mm-hmm. but at this point I owed them 
a quarter of a million dollars. And so they called and said, you know, what you doing next week or anything like that. That part was not stressful at all. They were like friends. And um, I said, well, I've turned my life over to Jesus and we need to meet. So that week I met the guy that I worked for um, who led the group and said, you know, I'm done. I've given my life to Christ. I'm done. And all he said was, I understand. And which to me meant you're a dead man, but I'm not threatening you because <laughs> yeah. they don't threaten people who do things. They don't threaten you. They don't take, they don't warn you. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I just lived a secret life, um, of sin. And I heard a guy say one time, a secret sin on earth is a scandal in heaven mm-hmm. and just rocked my world. But, um, so what you're telling us is uh, you can be genuinely saved. No, you're going to heaven. Yeah. And yet make wrong choices. Big time. Big time wrong choices. And God can club you over the head three times yeah. in a row. At, at least. least. <laughs> and but but he loves you so much he's not going to give up on you. Yeah. Grace supersedes everything. Amen. Um it starts with grace and never ends. There it doesn't end with grace. It continues with grace. And um I it just I'm for, I, I just get blown away. I just went to my 45th high school reunion. Uh-huh. And all those people in there are, are just, you know, they're the same as they were when they were in high school, yeah. and I'm different. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lighthouse. I know what you mean. And I got to share about Jesus with a few of them, and the guy I went with, he's a believer, and um, there's a remnant <laughs> trying to affect our class of 76. Um, but I got a verse here. In 1 Timothy uh, 1, 12, it says, And I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And then he says this, Howbeit or for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And I pray that my testimony if you're out there and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have not experienced this grace of God, that you'll get a hold of a local pastor that believes the scriptures and get your life right with Jesus. God can, God's grace can save a drug dealer. Absolutely. He can save a violent person. Yeah. He can save uh, somebody who grows up in a dysfunctional home. Oh, yeah. I shot at people. I hurt some people. I mean... I did some things that you would think God could never forgive. And sometimes when I share my testimony, people will say, I bet it's hard to live with yourself. And I I bet you feel guilty about everything. And I go, no, actually, I don't. (laughs) Uh, I'm forgiven. Mm -hmm. 100% forgiven. I wish I hadn't done it, but I am forgiven. I don't let the devil beat me up with what I did 
20 years ago. Your sins are at the bottom of the sea with that, That's those right. drugs is what That's the scriptures exactly would say, right? right? He's forgot them. Our God uh, has Alzheimer's. He can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he can't remember my sin. No. That's amazing. You know, I've never heard that passage read so powerfully, or uh, and never have I heard it so powerfully after mm-hmm. sitting here talking and hearing your testimony about what God has done. So God has taken you from uh, the childhood simple knowledge of the gospel yes, through a life of sin, heavy, real big issues types yes, of sins, violence, drugs, money, gangs, and... Here you are at a, a conference that people are talking about ministry, and you mm-hmm. now are involved in ministry. Yeah, I'm a missionary. I've got a, a bachelor's degree in biblical studies and a master's in counseling. I mean, they kicked me out of high school. And, you know, but when I was in Bible college, I wanted to learn. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It just, it, the whole thing changed my life. I went to a school that the professors lived out what they taught. And they they were just so kind to me, and you know I, I've been very blessed by the graceful men that God have put, has put around me to nurture me up, and I still need that. Oh, I'm 64 years old, and I still love men in my life asking me the hard questions, giving me direction, and and I do that the same for other men. Men have to receive and give instruction. So that's what I was going to ask you. How are you passing that grace on to other people right now? I share my testimony a lot with youth groups or singles. Uh, I speak in churches and share my testimony or teach on men issues or whatever. Um, and just, I meet with men. And, and I met with a kid. He was uh, 35, married four times was mentoring him and the porn and all kind of just junk, drinking all the time and stuff. And he called me, and he knew my daughters and stuff from high school. And he said, would you meet with me? And I said, absolutely. And so we met, and we were riding around in my truck. And he said, I just don't think, you know, anything good's going to happen. I said, well, how many games are won in the last quarter or the last half? I Mm -hmm. said, you're only halfway through life, Mm -hmm. dude. I said, you can change. I said, but I've had a lot of young men sit in this truck who thought they wanted to change but didn't want to really man up and do it. Mm-hmm. Well, we were going through a series called the 33 series, and uh, he would just weep every week. And uh, so one day I said, I want you to write down your convictions. Just write down things that you, know, that you think you would do or not do. And he came back to me the following week, and he goes, can we skip the you know, the formality of the lessons we're doing. I said, yeah, because can we just talk? He started bawling. He goes, I don't have any convictions. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he said, wow. I'm not saved. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not born again. And he prayed that night to receive Christ, and he has never been the same. This was mm-hmm. only a few months ago. Oh, praise He's the Lord. in church. I married him <laughs> again. And uh, <laughs> he... <laughs> But he's a different man. He's mowing my yard for free. I mean, he's just doing everything he can for me. And um, he's just he's just growing in Christ. He's he understands that he is forgiven. Now, you know, we're all a diamond in the rough when we grow and we plateau and we grow and we plateau. 
and he's just he's still around me all the time my goodness. i'm still mentoring him he's in a great church and he's involved in it he he's got jesus on his face uh the he um he said to me one day he goes yes i was in subway and somebody gave me a sandwich uh gave me two sandwiches and i thought well, sweet i can eat one now and i'll eat one later and stuff like that and he goes but a guy came in and didn't have anything and uh i gave him my sandwich mm-hmm. and he goes i wouldn't have done that last week <laughs> <laughs> he's passing that grace on that's right and that, yeah. you know you don't have to have some mountaintop experience or anything like that of doing something for jesus it's just giving mm-hmm. you know what christians give and you're doing that through a ministry which called is- Community Impact Ministries in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And, and you have a website for that? Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I wish my wife was here. It's Wayne at communityimpactministries.org. Okay. Um, Wayne at communityimpactministries.org. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, um, and reach out. I'd love to speak in your church or whatever. Or, you know, if you have somebody struggling, you want me to talk to them, I don't have a problem at all. Well, I tell you what, I, I'm seeing Jesus on Wayne's face right now to put, use his expression, and I'm floating three inches off the chair <laughs> with, with uh, elation from, from his story, and I hope you are too. This is uh, the real world. This is, these are real world, world issues. There's people who get mired in sin like this, and they're just hopeless, but nobody is beyond the reach of God's grace. Amen. And that, that's what we heard today, and Wayne's been generous enough to open up and share that openly with us. Well. And we want to thank you for for uh, talking with us, and we, and we want to at least acknowledge your family. Would you please tell us a word about your family before oh, yeah. we go? Yeah, been married thirty six years. Uh, after my uh, stuff with the drug world and all that kind of thing, I was at a fellowship of Christian athletes event speaking, and I saw this young lady walk by, and I thought, "Who's that?" <laughs> and uh, and I ended up taking her out. And we got married. We have three daughters and five grandkids. We've been in the ministry 36 years together. And she is a true helpmate. Um, I am blessed. Jody. <laughs> Jody. And, um, Amen. I met Jody. She's, she's sweet, but uh, didn't get to talk with her at length. But pray for Wayne and Jody uh, in, in his ministry as he ministers to other men and men's venues and get in touch with him at the information that he just gave you uh thanks for joining us today wayne and thank you for joining us uh, online amen till next time a true trophy of grace wasn't that an incredible story friends you know god's grace is an incredible story that he could not give up on someone so entrenched in sin. And maybe that's the way your life has been or even is now. God loves you and he can give you a new life if you only believe in his son, Jesus Christ, as your savior from sin. He sent his son, Jesus, out of his love to die on the cross, pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be with God forever. He raised him from the dead so that he could make a promise that whoever believes in him has everlasting life. Put your faith in him today if you've never done that before. And then, would you please drop me a note, charlie at gracelife.org. That's charlie at gracelife.org. 
and let me know. Or if you want to write to Wayne directly, you can write, write him at uh, wayne at communityimpactministries.org. And then if you would like the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it, it will help many other people to hear. And tell your friends about this amazing story that they can hear for themselves. So thanks for listening. Until all here, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening. For more resources, or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.